This is the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Your hosts, Sam Harris and Nicholas Farik, digest the most interesting, informative and topical books, giving you their biggest insights. We expose different perspectives and tools to look at the world to make you wiser than yesterday. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. My name is Nico. As usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Sam. And today in this episode, we are discussing the Confessions by St. Augustine of Hippo. The first Western autobiographical book, it was written about 400 AD by St. Augustine. And so in his early 40s, he wrote everything that happened in his life until that point. It is uh, very pious. So that's something to keep in mind. He was uh, very, very religious when he wrote it. That's a, a common theme in the whole book. Yeah, and he was kind of doing it because he'd just been elected to bishop? take over the bishop because he'd been following other religions up to then. He sort of felt a bit like unsecure in his space. So he sort of wanted to write a book explaining why he was so religious and why he'd now become like this religious person. So it's a little bit over the top with like just how great God is and why like he's so sorry for like other ways that he thought about God and stuff. And it gets a little bit in the way of trying to read the other points he's making. But yeah, it's interesting. If you would cut all the, oh God, my lords, out of yes. the book, <laughs> it would probably be 20% shorter. Pretty much. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's pretty long. And we, we listened to it in audio form, which was, I think, 14 hours and 50 minutes. It consists of 13 books. The first nine are about his life. And the last four, he talks about more general philosophical subjects like truth and memory, etc. And yeah, what did you think of the book? So. Yeah, it was very hard to concentrate on. I'm really not sure what happened in the first... 25% it's sort of like you know when you try to meditate or you just try and like follow your breath or you try and just think of something it was like doing that and then like literally after sort of five seconds you're like oh you've just gone somewhere else like it was just perfect mind distraction like nothing went into my brain it was just like oh I'm listening to this oh it's so boring oh looks and like flowers and <laughs> an hour later oh god I'm listening to a book aren't I yes I am right what I had to basically read a book summary of the book it just really helped place where I was in the book at each point in time so I kind of knew what would be coming up and why he was talking about this thing to kind of give myself a bit of a map as to what was going on and I actually was able to listen much better and really enjoyed it after that but I still find it kind of difficult even after doing that but overall I actually really liked the ideas and for the fact that it's the first autobiographical book you can kind of forgive him for like not being the most interesting writer in some ways and terms of he actually got like really cool thoughts going on in his brain and there's some um, some stuff that's really like formed the basis of other stuff that's become like entire books from some of his chapters and things and just the way he thinks about like time and the way he uses logic to think about God and different stuff is really interesting. Something we should have noted is that it's been hugely impactful specifically on, on Christian doctrine, Catholic philosophies, other Catholic writers and thinkers, but in general, the Western philosophy is in a great way influenced by this specific yeah, yeah. book and in general, his but, thoughts. I mean, yeah. some of his concepts kind of go into sort of buddhist stuff that's now the way we think about it and other things like he just goes a lot into like astrology and biology and the nature of existence and things and he's really like a very deep thinker and cool guy and listening to this like i can imagine people from his time being completely captivated by whatever he writes i'm an atheist myself but listening to this book i could feel the attraction because you can feel the hope and the joy that he has and that happiness that he has in his religion. And I sometimes felt like, wow, I wish, you know, as strong of a believer as his, because he's really content, you know? It's not kind of like blind faith based on like, oh, I was just told this as a kid, so this is what I'm doing. It was definitely a much more than his, he sort of tried lots of religions and just sort of mm -hmm. come from it from a very analytical standpoint of like logic. 
to work out mm -hmm. what must be the most explainable thing based on everything they knew back then. So it's a very scientific way of getting to the point for what they understood back then. So it sort of makes a lot of sense, which is why I guess it helped persuade a lot of people why he then became a saint because of writing this in the work that he did. Yeah, this is the second ancient philosopher's book that I read. And it might be too early, but I'm already seeing it like a common theme where I have the impression that these philosophies, they basically try and answer the basic questions that arise from the moments that humans have their basic needs satisfied. So from the moment that you have food, you have shelter and you're safe, and then you can reproduce, I guess, you realize that there's more to life than just surviving and you start asking some questions. And so for now, I have the impression that that's what these philosophers are basically partly doing, which is answering these questions like what is truth? What is memory? What is good and evil? What is happiness? Hunger and thirst? What are those? Etc. And they, they're answering these questions given the framework that they're in. And I think that's probably the most interesting part about these ancient philosophers, because today we know already so much, for example, what hunger and thirst, the biochemical processes that happen in your body and brain. We also know how memory works, but with these ancient philosophers, with their limited knowledge of these processes, still find like a, a pretty good explanation mm. for some of these things. It's just pretty impressive. So one of the insights I got is uh, the book starts with his early childhood and there he reflects on the inherent violence of children uh, and this was caused by original sin and so original sin is the christian belief that man is sinful which was caused by eve and adam eating from the apple and so there i saw a parallel with other philosophies that basically all philosophies realize that man by nature is in some way flawed or even evil and by their teachings they basically try to overcome that sinfulness or those flaws. Uh, and so for me, a lot of that flaws that humans have are basically brought out by natural selection. So natural selection has taught us to be focused on food, eating a lot or as much as we can, and basically also reproducing as much as we can with different women as, as a man, etc. And so these traits are inherent to every person and modern society basically tries to get rid of these urges because we can't live in a very large society like today's, if we all follow our basic urges and basically what all these philosophies and religions try to, to solve, it's our sinfulness that we have. And so children are at the basis they didn't have time to get taught, you know, the right ways or the modern ways. And so children are born sinful, basically. And so one quote of that is, don't let my mind be paralyzed by the gratification of senses. And I know, Sam, that you also agree with this quote specifically because I think one of the things you and I profoundly believe is that we're constantly trying to gratify our senses. And probably we've already discussed this numerous mm. times in different books. It's a concept that keeps coming back, right? We as humans, we crave sugar. Yeah, yeah it's constantly just short-term things versus like what your life goals are and greater happiness and satisfaction, basically. Yes. And so here I found a very, very large parallel with uh, Buddhism. It keeps coming back in, the, in these philosophies. It's a general theme, you know, we as humans evolved in a certain way, but that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. This is sort of a time where they're like realizing some of the mistakes they've been making with the old religions and trying to like come up with like a new way to be better humans, I guess, and uh, using religions to help them do that part of it. So I do find that he's a bit like naive about things because he talks about how he went through his young life kind of having sex with lots of people and generally sort of being sinful in many different ways. And then he later sort of becomes a life of very religious and he's very 
devout in these things and he looks back and says like oh i shouldn't have done those things and stuff but then he sort of doesn't acknowledge that like actually maybe perhaps he just got get got a bit bored as in you kind of can go through phases in your life and get through bored by them and sort of it's easy to look back and be like oh you just should never drink as a child but like when you kind of become a teenager it's sort of it's exciting and you want to go and do these fun things and then you get bored of them and sort of just saying that like oh the best way in life is to just only be this way where you're at now is easy to say but it's not so like implementable for everyone and so I do feel like he's a bit sort of naive in some ways of just sort of saying like this is definitely the only way to do it and like maybe you just need to go and like experience these things yourself because he like experienced everything to actually get to the sort of sense of knowledge that he has whereas he's just telling people mm. to be this way I'm not sure if you can really know why you are doing something if you haven't tried other things it's easy for him to say he had the chance to enjoy all these bad things and then start telling everyone no you can't do it and he writes a much better book than like the other people who had always been religious their whole life <laughs> from this time and so like maybe it's better to have been the person that's tried everything if you're like the best writer who becomes like the saint from like this time than it is to be the person that was just to follow the rules completely and never understood why the rules exist and how to like create new rules etc i think also think that makes him more relatable because let's say that someone would have said once you have sex before marriage, you cannot go to heaven anymore. You know, in this case, he basically, he's the living proof that you can do wrong, but you can convert and become a very devout Christian and be as good as you can be, even like given your past mistakes. And I think that might be why his book was so popular because he clearly says, okay, I was wrong and I realized that and I became a good Christian. And that might have inspired more people that know that because everyone has done something wrong. So no one's perfect, I guess. Cool. Let's talk about astrology yeah people were very into their astrology and he sort of tries to disprove it and i think he found this like study of i think this rich man and his slave were both had like this baby conceived at sort of like the same time and like the pregnancies went through the thing and so they're kind of getting like similar star signs coming up and then like on the day they end up being born like at the exact same time and they had like a man in each room to record the time and they sort of met in the courtyard at the exact same moment to say oh the baby's just been born so like they literally have the exact same position of all the planets and everything and they get like the exact same reading of what their life story will be except for one's a slave and one's like the son of like the rich mansion owner and obviously the rich mansion owner becomes like a successful man about town and the other person says a slave and it's like well clearly these people both had like this prediction that they would be like this great person but one said a slave and one became a great person so like the astrology was wrong and he's like, oh yeah, that'd be a simple <laughs> argument and now it's so stupid. Yeah, it's funny how astrology was looked at as a religion back in the day and it's funny how it still exists. Now it's not a religion, but like, it's I don't know what it is. People kind of sort of believe somehow, but it's not quite actually linked to any god. It's just like a higher force of something somewhere yeah. that we sort of forgot about as far as the religious side concerned. But yeah, it's yeah. weird. I mean, we still have all the star signs and it's part of like where you is and you know, or if you have any dating profile, you have to put it on there and some people seem to like that and stuff. And you're like, what? Does it really make a difference? It does a lot about you when, when you put your star sign. What is your star sign? I know it in Dutch. I actually don't know it in English. <laughs> um, I'm born at the end of March. Right. So it's it's like a mountain goat or something <laughs> like that. I don't know what it is. Interesting. I'm a Libra, which means I'm calculated and I like reading and stuff or balanced. Which makes sense. Another interesting part of the book was in the beginning, he talks about when he was a teenager, he went into the orchard of his neighbors and he stole a pear. And so he reflects upon his deed and he says, like, I wasn't hungry. And the pear that he stole wasn't even as good as the pear that he had at his own home. And so he basically stole something for the purpose of stealing. And he says that the reason he did it was because he was with others. So if he was alone, he would have never stolen the pair because he didn't have any reason. But because he was with others, they did it together. And this made me think of the elephant in the brain, where 
basically it's like virtue signaling when you're mm -hmm. with others you're going to commit like small crimes to show to the other one you show that you're trustworthy and the other you like bind yourself to that person and so you're like tightening your bond basically and i was talking about this with a friend and he referred to you know going out and partying and getting really drunk it can create a pretty strong bond really fast like if you yeah. go out with someone and if you get drunk if you do stupid stuff afterwards your bond is going to be way closer and it seems something very similar where you're just doing wrong stuff together which creates a bond definitely yeah. sounds like a good part of the book <laughs> i wish i'd been <laughs> it was in the, in the beginning after mm. you basically got your mind to uh get a structure of the book it's a but that's definitely true though but i don't know if it always has to be doing stupid things i think just doing i guess there's something nature about like when you're a kid as in you know all your friends from when you were young that you can kind of play fight with still and stuff whereas sort of if you meet someone when you're older you just don't do that kind of thing but it's definitely sort of more bonding that's true and it takes a long time to kind of be able to do that with like a sort of adult person that you meet now although i i don't really play fight anymore but only with my sister and my youngest sister it's nice okay good this is the thing that comes up in like taleb in terms of learning and stuff because he talks about babies and how they learn a language just purely out of curiosity because they're just interested in what's going on in the world and they want to like decode it and they become fluent so quickly and stuff. And he says like being forced to learn things isn't really helpful. You should just follow what you're curious in and kind of define where you take your interests, which is very much what mm -hmm. the celebs sort of talks about in his things. And people shouldn't be having jobs. People shouldn't be like formal educational degrees. They should just sort of follow what they're interested in and just define like what their life is, which is interesting because he spends a lot of his time being a teacher and starting schools. And you're like, what's going on with that, mate? Yeah, maybe all the students are like really passionate and come yeah. out of their own interests. True. But it's sort of definitely points you to kind of think about how you can be more curious and do the things that sort of more interest you and that you get a lot more from anything that you try to learn when you are interested. Because sort of, certainly like when we go to university, you maybe are interested in your subject, hopefully, but you go because you feel you have to go to university. Whereas mm -hmm. if you go later when you're like 30 or something, I'm pretty sure we both get quite a lot out of doing a philosophy degree right now or something because we'd be like, mm -hmm. fuck, yeah, yeah, this is so cool. Whereas mm -hmm. back then, if someone told me I had to do philosophy for a degree, I'd be like, Jesus, why would I do this stupid degree that's so pointless as a 20-year-old? That's completely right. It's kind of ironic. So Taleb mm. says that procrastination is your mind or your soul telling you uh, you shouldn't do something, which I have problem with, I think, because if I would only be doing what I want to do, I'd be playing video games all day, basically. Mm. Sometimes... I have to do, like, I have to force myself to do productive stuff or, or not do what I want to do, you know? Do you still play video games much? Yep. All right. Still, yeah. I thought you sort of watched some still, but... I try to limit it, but some days, I just dive into it with my friends. Cool. Which ones do you play? I play Warzone right now. Warzone? Call of Duty. All right. Yeah, yeah I've heard that's pretty good lately. Yeah. Anyway, but anyway, one yeah. other point <laughs> I would like to make on that. So they're saying that you should only do what interests your mind. But then if I had done that, I would have never been able to finish this book. That's yeah. for sure. Um, in general, I'm glad I read the book, but I don't think I'll ever read it again. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no. Yeah. Hopefully find like a short summary of these things to remind myself or something. Perhaps mm -hmm. that would be quite all right. Maybe listen to this podcast again. Yeah. Get all the best points. One final quote I'd like to touch upon. It's grant me chastity and continence, but not yet. And so here he talks about where he realizes what the true path is and what he's supposed to do, but he's still enjoying his unchristian habits, you know, mm. having sex, etc., eating too much and all that stuff, all that good stuff, enjoying life. And so it's actually something I've seen myself do quite a lot where you're like, okay, I know what is right to do, but I'm going to postpone it because I mm. still want to do the, the wrong stuff because I enjoy it. Definitely and isn't like, oh, 
gonna start a diet tomorrow but like right now i'm gonna eat this nice thing and then tomorrow comes like oh maybe it was like tomorrow that i'm gonna do this thing <laughs> and yeah because but that's on a very short term but for mm. me also like i i can see myself giving more to charity mm. but i always saying to myself i do it once i have like quite a lot of money you know you're always postponing it and yeah it, it just i read that quote and i was like that's very true for me in so many ways where yeah, yeah. Uh, on the short term indeed you're, you're procrastinating but even on the long term you're just saying okay this is for future me yeah, yeah, it's like who you want to become versus who you are. Like, why don't you just become the person you, you want to be kind of thing. From a rational point of view, there's so many things that I say that I will do that I should start doing right now. And I think a lot of people are doing something similar where like, I usually take the example of they're stuck in a job, you know, they have the golden cage, they have a nice paying job, but they're miserable. They're unhappy. They don't enjoy it. They just like repeating stuff. They'll say like, at some point I'll change and I'll do some, I'll do whatever I want. And there's no reason why you would do it tomorrow if you could do it today. Mm. So yeah, I found out a very interesting quote. And uh, this relates to something we spoke about beforehand, but he's got a chapter on time and the present and basically sort of talks about the fact that like everything in the past is sort of no longer what's happening and it, it happened and you got a memory of it, but it doesn't really exist anymore. And everything in the future is just sort of ideas of what will happen, nothing like actual. And so all that really exists is like literally right now. And that mm -hmm. relates to what you're just saying is in like who you'll be in the future is just a possibility like who you are now is who you are. And so you should be the person that you should be right now kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it just relates basically like the whole book that by Eckhart Tolle called The Power of Now is literally just this concept in a whole book. And it's been one of the best selling books in the last 20 years or so. And it is a really mm -hmm. good book. I'd recommend it. But it's literally just this concept that he talks about <laughs> for like one chapter and thinks clearly very deeply on and must have had lots of thoughts. He's a really cool guy like, to be thinking about this stuff. 2000 years ago it's pretty fun mm -hmm. and that's where like the whole idea has come from but like it's just sort of wrapped up in the rest of this book which is can be confusing at times yeah. and i like the way he thinks about memory and stuff he talks about if you sort of eat food you start to digest it in your stomach but you still like bring it back up it's like a physical thing it doesn't go anywhere whereas like when you watch something it goes into your memory and you kind of digest it and store it in a way like you can recall the memory but it doesn't like come out your eyes and like sort of happen it's, it's no longer a physical thing or anything you just get a bit wrapped up in like what the hell is going on in our brains this weird confusing like portal of stuff where like things disappear and you're like yeah that must have been really weird to think about back then because of, you just have no concept of what your brain is or what it does and things and and so to be able to think that like some kind of magical sort of other world that sort of has all this stuff it, it kind of makes sense and not he doesn't really quite resolve over where it goes but he definitely has like some very interesting ponderings on the whole thing he actually realized what was proven in, in i think uh the recent studies that like actually our memories are only 70 percent correct or something although we mm. think they're 100 correct so it's quite interesting that he already realized that back then yeah so it was really interesting to observe like the kind of things that we try to think about on, on like the deep philosophical level as you already outlined but like from the standpoint of not having all the information that we now have today so with so many more questions but just sort of structuring like well-reasoned science kind of like how like nicholas Lev talks about in his books of sometimes we have explanations for things of a moment but it might not actually be the true explanation you just need to look at the fundamental principle of like okay if you lift heavy things you get bigger muscles like how it actually works that the action doesn't always matter if you know that that's what happens and they kind of go mm -hmm. a bit more for like okay <laughs> they're never going to know how something works but what's the fundamental principle behind okay i can can remember stuff but like, sometimes my memory isn't even right and these kind of things and yeah it was cool. In terms of readability, like <laughs> one or two, <laughs> in terms of like actual really cool, interesting stuff inside the book, I guess 
I'd give it like an eight or nine, but then overall, because it's wrapped up in so much weird stuff, I'd really just like Ryan Holiday or something to just write a short two hour version of this book with like the most interesting concepts, just riffed on a bit more. And that would be quite fine. So overall, I guess I'd give it like a three in terms of like, I never want to read this book again, I guess. Just what like the nice ideas package for me. Yeah, for me, I think there are not enough interesting concepts, especially if you start thinking about other books you could have read in that same time. For example, Antifragile or Why Buddhism is True. And so I fully agree that yeah, the tediousness of the whole book makes it something I, I do not want to read again. And so for me, I'll give it a two, just my lowest score until now. Um, I guess in the same way that you said, it's sort of like eating good food this is like the thing that just doesn't taste very nice but it's really healthy for you i'm sure it's not like fast food or just instant like delights and then like in the long term not very useful it's it's good to be mm-hmm. reading these things i'm glad we read them mm-hmm. but like that's something that will, if you try eating just radishes by themselves for the first time like shit this tastes like Oh, so like maybe I can have like a tiny bit of radish in each of my salads and then it's fine or you're doing like a very intense crossfit workout and during it you're like I'm killing myself. Why am I doing this? And afterwards, you're like, okay, Definitely. I can see why I did that. I'm pretty feeling okay right now. All right. Cool. That rounds up this episode. Mm. Next episode, we're going to be reading Epictetus, an ancient Greek philosopher, which was one of the founding, I think, thinkers about the Stoic line of thought. So I'm um, looking forward to that. Ciao. Thank you for listening to our podcast. As you know, we are doing this to try and help you get smarter. Well, I have another project for podcast listeners just like you who want to be smart. Nico and I learned so much from reading the same things together and discussing them, and I wanted there to be a tool that made it easy for anyone to listen to the same podcasts and books together with their friends. So I'm building the app Syncify, which does just that. It connects you with your friends in the app, listen to the same things at the same time, or create shared playlists and work through them at your own pace. You can share comments and highlights of your favorite bits and become smarter by seeing what your friends think around the same content that you enjoy. As a bonus, it also helps with your mental health and reduces isolation. Personally, I hate publishing my life on social media, which I find all rather antisocial. And I don't go out of my way to phone a friend for no reason other than the fact I feel lonely. But I do love doing things with other people and having my friends listen to the same things is is really awesome. I mean, I used to speak to Nico like once a year before we started this book club together, and now we talk all the time because we're just doing something together. So do yourself a favor and sign up for the Syncify app at syncifyapp.com, and I really hope it helps. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show or learned anything new, be sure to share it with your friends. And I just can't tell you how great it is if you were to happen to leave a review on iTunes. These really do help quite a lot. If you have any questions or books that you'd like us to read, feel free to reach out to us through the website, wiserpod.com, or reach out to us on LinkedIn. And just keep loving and keep learning, and ideally, keep listening. Big love from Sam and Nico. And the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Podcast.